0: We're going to have fun today. (laughs) So if you don't know me, my name is Pastor DJ. I am the campus pastor. I think I said that already, but I'll say it again in case you came in late. (laughs) And so it is my privilege to be able to bring the word today. But before I get into it, I'm going to ask you guys to stand on your feet because we're honoring God when we honor the man of God. And none of this is here without a man of God that's willing to say yes and obey. So let's honor our senior pastor, Pastor Tony Stewart, (laughs) Pastor Casey Stewart. Even though they're not here, we honor them because it's due them and because God sees that honor and he honors you. You guys may be seated. We're going to dig into the word. And so today's key text is coming from Luke 22, verses 41 through 42, and it says this, and he, talking about Jesus, was drawn from them, the disciples, about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. Yes. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The message, the, the, the bow we're going to wrap this, this, this sermon around is called this. Nevertheless, yes. Nevertheless, yes. And so, as you know, we're in a season of yes, right? We're in a year of yes. The man of this house, the the, the prophet of this house said that he, he heard from God and he felt God say that we're in a accelerated season of yes, right? The promises of God are yes and amen. But then there's, there's certain seasons and flows that you enter into where it's accelerated. Like, Isaac and sow and reap in the same season. You walk into an acceleration period, and you have to know when you're in there. That way you can press in and get what God has for you, amen? And so it made me consider, let me peruse, let me go through the Bible and create a hall of fame of the greatest yeses. There's lots of great yeses. There's lots of great nevertheless yeses. But I was thinking, I was like, what are some of the best yeses? So I'm going to start with the runners-up, right? There's two runners-up, and then we'll get to the champion. (laughs) The first runner-up is the great Father Abraham. You guys know Father Abraham, right? He had many sons. I know everybody does that joke. We're going to go to Genesis 15, 5 through 6, and it says this. He took him outside and said, so this is God taking Abram outside. Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you count them, then he said to him, you shall... So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord. He believed the Lord. That's key. And he credited to him his righteousness. So here's the key thing about this is why Abram had a nevertheless yes. Because nevertheless means in spite of. That means when I look at this situation, in spite of that, nevertheless, I'm going to say yes. And so what situations are we talking about? Well, here's what I heard as I was preparing for this. I want you guys to be pumped up. You should be excited about yes. If you were there on Wednesday, you should be flowing in and jumping around and saying, God, this is my yes. I'm ready. Let's get it. But I'm going to take off the evangelist cap, if you will, to pump you up. And I'm going to put on my pastoral hat to say, I want you to succeed and make it to the end. And if you're going to succeed, you have to know this principle. Number one, in every yes There is an obstacle and an opportunity. I'm going to say that again. In every yes, there's an obstacle and opportunity. And if you're a note taker, take notes. If you're not, start taking notes because what we're doing today is we're giving you the infrastructure and the tools to make it, right? It's good to get excited and pumped up and start fast. But this is a marathon, right? How many people know this faith journey is a marathon? If you've been on earth long enough, you know this is a marathon. It's not about getting excited and dying down. It's about a marathon. So the first obstacle that Abram faced was this, his natural limitations. Think about this. God tells him, look up at the sky. I'm going to give you all the descendants." This started because God came to Abram and said, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to bless you. And Abram said, but I don't even have any kids. So all of my estate is going to go to a servant born in my house. Abram is 75 years old at the time. His wife is... Beyond childbearing years. and He looks at it and says, that's a natural limitation that God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But he still said, nevertheless, yes. The second obstacle that we face in this journey and that Abram faced was facing the improbable. Think about this. Abram had no reference point of what raising a child would be, a miracle child. He, he had no reference point. It seemed improbable for a 75-year-old man, an older woman, to have a child. But the word says that he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Friends, when we face the improbable, you're saying, yes, God, yes, God. I trust you, God, that you're going to give me this new job, but maybe you aren't the best fit for it. You're facing the improbable. Or maybe you got a diagnosis in your health. And they're saying, you don't have long to live. That's facing the improbable. Will you still say yes? The third obstacle is this, the waiting period. Oftentimes, the wait will kill your yes. Obstacle three is the waiting period. From the time that Abram got the promise of this heir, he was 75. By the time Isaac came, and we know the end of the story, Isaac did come, he was 100 years old. That's a 25-year wait. How many of us could wait 25 years from a promise? Think about King David. King David, you're anointed, you're going to be king. You get all, all over him. Awesome, man, I'm excited. He goes from that, fighting Goliath. Okay, it's looking good. He's winning wars. All of a sudden, he finds himself dodging spears from the person who's supposed to be his mentor. How many of us have dodged some spears from people who are supposed to love us. Joseph, people are going to bow down before you. All of a sudden he goes, palace, prison, pit, back to the palace. With a weight. My friends, the weight, if you don't have a nevertheless in your spirit, can take you out. Amen? But here's the beautiful part. He said nevertheless, and in that, Abram birthed an entire nation of people. From that, he produced the genetic pool that Jesus chose to come through. From that, made every believer in Christ an heir to the promise of Abraham. Galatians 3 and 29. So if you are in Christ, you have the same promise. You are heir to the promise that Abraham had. Amen? That is what his nevertheless yet did. It created a legacy. We're going to go to our second runner-up. Second runner-up is going to be Simon Peter. How many people love Simon Peter? I love me some Simon Peter. He is uh, a little wild sometimes, but, you know, he's, he's always there. <laughs> like, just like some of us. All right, so we're going to go to Luke 5, 2 through 11, and I'm going to do some reading here, but stick with me. because we got to read the whole thing. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats. So he's talking about Jesus, got into the boats. And the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put it out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for the catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, or what? Nevertheless, come on, somebody got to catch that. Nevertheless, because you say so, Master. I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to shore and left everything and followed him. Here's what I want to point out. Of, that's why we got to read the whole thing. Here's a principle I want you to really get today. Every small yes builds your faith for the big yes. See, some of us want this grand experience. The clouds to open up and son, daughter, I've called you. Walk into the nations, right? And that would be beautiful if it worked like that. It sounds like, you know, Mufasa kind of. But it would be beautiful if that's how it worked all the time. And some people do have God encounters like that, and that's how they get saved, or that's how they get their calling. But for most people in this faith journey, it's a series of micro yeses, of small yeses. So think about Peter. First thing that happens is Jesus steps on his boat. He had a choice to say, hey, brother, get off my boat, or yes. Then Jesus says Can you push out a little bit so I can teach? Yes. Okay, Simon Peter, why don't you go into the deep? Now, mind you, Simon had just got done washing his nets. That means he was done. He's like, we cleaned the nets, we're good, we're going home. My wife is probably cooking something good right now, I got to go. Jesus says, no, 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 push out into the deep. What did Peter say? What did Simon Peter say? Yes. (laughs) Okay, there we go. Then he says, let down your nets. And Simon Peter starts to kind of push back a little bit, like, eh, uh, I don't know about that. Nevertheless, there we go. You guys are getting it now. They get the blessing. And what happens is, at that point, because of all his micro yeses, because of all those small yeses, he can receive the call to say, drop everything and follow me. You see, for many of us, God's calling me to start a business. Will you be faithful at the job you're at now? Will you show up on time? Will you work with integrity? Will you treat people fair? Will you start the business? This is vegetables as brother Randy says, right? I'm called to preach. I'm supposed to be preaching. Will you read your Bible this morning? Will you pray? Will you preach to your neighbor? Will you love your wife and preach to your kids at home? See, all these yeses get you to this call. But a lot of times we want to jump straight to it. These small yeses build up the infrastructure and the flexibility and the strength to say yes to the big yeses. Amen. Three more obstacles that we're faced. Here's the fourth obstacle. Simon could have said, "I'm too busy for this." Think about this. He had a full business. He had a business with his brother. He had partners. He had a wife. He could have been like, you know what, God, I'm too busy. How many of us are busy in the room? I'm busy. Does that stop our yes? Obstacle number five, it was an uncertain outcome. Think about this, right? We know the story, and it's, sometimes we, I feel like we're reading, when we read the Bible, like a fairy tale. But this is real life that happened. Imagine somebody comes to you, you catch a bunch of fish. He's like, all right, drop your business and follow me. You've been doing this your whole life. Do you know if that's going to work out or not? You guys are quiet. Today. You guys are getting this. I could tell. That means that you had to trust Jesus when you follow Him. That my wife's going to be taken care of. My brother is going to be taken care of. I'm not sure if it works out. You guys know that scripture. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things what? Not seen. So I can't see the end, but nevertheless. There we go. And number six, under or unqualified. He could have said, in fact, he did. And here's the beautiful thing. I do want to point this out to you. Both Abram and Peter were not perfect in their journey. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for people who, when they fall, say, God, pick me up again. Let's go. Abram got tired in the 25-year wait and birthed Ishmael. Right? But what happened? He still got the promise because he didn't give up there. Peter, right when Jesus blesses him with this thing, sometimes this happens to us if we're truthful. When we're living in a place of condemnation and we get the blessing on us, God, I'm not worthy. That's what, that's Peter's, can I tell you Peter's reaction to the blessing coming in his boat? The most fish he's ever caught in his life. And his reaction was, I'm a sinner. Get away from me. That's the trick of the enemy is to make you look at your behavior. If you're worth it or not. In fact, no, we're not going to go there yet. <laughs> we have to know that we are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. It's not based on your behavior, that you're saved. It's not based on how good you are, that you're called. Many of us are saying no to callings because we don't think we're good enough. Guess what? When Jesus breathed his breath into you and called you, you're good enough. Amen? There's some training we may need to do. We may need to get some mentorship and leadership. But... Peter could have said, no, I'm not worthy. I'm a cussing fisherman that likes to cut ears. But he didn't. He said what? Nevertheless, from his yes came this. Peter preaches the first sermon after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.14. And 3,000 souls were added to, his, to, his, uh, to the church. Peter was used by God to heal the sick and raise the dead, Acts 9, and to bring about one of the first accounts of the Holy Spirit ever being poured out on non-Jews, Acts 10. Peter played a prominent role in building the very foundation of the new covenant church that we still belong to today. Despite the obstacles, here's what I want to encourage you with. Despite the obstacles, if you're willing to say, nevertheless, yes, I promise you the opportunity, the promise, the legacy is so much bigger. Can I read you the scripture? I don't, it's not in the notes here, but it says it's Romans 8 and 18. Here's what I want you to remember. It says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Whatever you are going through, I do want to encourage you. I promise you, if you stick in there, if you keep saying nevertheless, yes, not only the glory when you get to heaven, but the glory that's in you right now, Jesus in you. Jesus with you, Holy Spirit with you. It will far surpass any of the troubles you've ever faced. And the legacy and the the product of it will surpass the challenges. Amen? So now we're going to come to the end of our Hall of Fame trip, and we're going to get to the goat. The goat is Jesus, of course, right? He's the greatest of all time. And this Jesus, this all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God put on a frail human flesh, and he dwelt among us. See, we don't serve... A God who doesn't understand our frailties because he put them on. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So when you're going through, pull on Jesus. Amen? You have a high priest. High priest is Jesus who's standing there with you. Amen? Amen? So let's reread our key text. Luke 22:41 and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed. Here's principle number one. To live in your nevertheless yes, you will have to pull away and pray. Principle number one, in order for you to say yes, you're going to need to pray. What a great time in these 21 days of prayer and fasting? To pull on God, to pull away, you might have to pull away from TV, pull away from friends, pull away from whatever you like to do and say, God, I need you. Jesus, God incarnate, wrapped in flesh, the word wrapped in flesh, had to pull away himself and pray. What should we be doing when we're faced with the obstacles that want to stop our yes? Amen. Next verse. He says, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless. Somebody say nevertheless. Not my will, but yours be done. Here's principle number two. To live in your nevertheless, yes, you will have to put your flesh and emotions under subjection. That's a whole word. That's a whole vegetable. That's broccoli. I know. You cannot run this race and be led by your flesh. Because guess what? When obstacles come, we naturally as humans want to shy away. When God says, I want you to serve a city life. I'm too busy. It's easier to say, I'm too busy. You have to put your flesh under subjection. Marry people. How many married people we got in the room? Make some noise, married people. There we go. That's a whole lot of y'all. That's good. God bless you. (laughs) When your spouse is tripping, when they're acting Silly, I'll say. Will you put your flesh and emotions under subjection and keep the peace in your home? Not like I'm going to get them back if they got me. In order to say yes to your marriage, you have to say nevertheless, yes. We have to put our flesh into, into subjection. That's why we fast, right? It gives us the discipline and the muscle memory to put our flesh and our emotions under subjection. Amen? Number three here, verse 43. It says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, Strengthening him. Principle number three. To live in your nevertheless, yes, you will have to partner with heaven. I'm going to say that again. To live in your nevertheless, yes, you're going to have to partner with heaven. You could be a great Christian, really love God. You could be tenacious and loving and dedicated and have good willpower. But we don't wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. But we're in a spiritual battle. So as good as you are, you need to pull on heaven. Think about this. Again, Jesus is God on earth. And he has an angel have to come and strengthen him. Friends, can I tell you, when you're tired of running this race, and when you're saying, God, I don't know if I can go any further. God, I know you called me. God, I know you want me to stay in this marriage. God, I know you want me to open this business. God, I know you want me to be faithful. I just don't have the energy. I've been there before. I don't have it, God. I'm tired. That's when you say, "Heaven, I need you. Let heaven come." When you sing that, that's a declaration. Say, "Let heaven come, God. I need. I need an angel to come minister to me. They'll do that. Ask, God. I need your outpouring of the anointing to make it through." Amen. Luke twenty-two forty-four says this. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. This is Jesus. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Principle number four is this: to live in your nevertheless yes, you will have to pay the price of your purpose. Pastor Tony's been dropping little nuggets and little Easter eggs so far, and he's been talking about we're going to say yes, we're going to say yes, but there's a cost to this yes. Jesus had a cost. Think about this. Jesus is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows all. And he's sitting there in the garden and praying. And he's thinking about, I'm about to face agony here. Nails driven into my hand, through my flesh, through my bone, to the other side. And then the other hand. And then the feet. They're going to whip me. The very creation that I blew breath into is going to spit in my face. Not only the agony of being pierced in the side but the emotion of carrying on the weight of sin of humanity. Think about the most vile sin you've ever heard of. We don't need to name it. Jesus took that on the cross for people who he didn't know would make a decision or not for him. Because he loves you, so he gives you free will. All that, he was willing to say, nevertheless, I will pay the price for your purpose. Can I tell you something I learned in business school? It says that price is a surrogate indicator of the value of something. I'm going to say that again. So they say when the price is something, like you say a Mercedes, and that's supposed to be an indicator of the value of that car. Here's what I heard God say. He reminded me of that lesson I learned. And he said, the cost of your purpose. How, how much purpose do you have? How much are you going for God? There's a cost to it. See, if you want to be a Christian who just kind of rolls out of bed, sometimes you come to church, sometimes you don't. The cost is, uh, you know, whatever. But if you're like, no, God, I'm pursuing you, God. I'm following the Great Commission. I'm going to go to the nations and preach and teach the gospel. I'm going to walk in a Pentecostal church anointing where I'm going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. The the, the Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and recover. Praise the dead. See people delivered. Walk in integrity. Live a marriage that's pleasing to God and an example to everyone. Be salt in life in the, earth, in the earth, no matter what happens around you. The higher the purpose, the higher the price. Are you willing to pay the price? I hope so. Because the anointing that comes from the crushing of the price, the oil that comes from the crushing is so powerful and so worth it. Nevertheless, last verse, Luke twenty-two forty-five. it says this, when he rose up from prayer, this is Jesus, and he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Principle number five is this, to live in your nevertheless, yes, you will have to push past your expectations of others. I love that. Me and Pastor Brian, if you were in the MVP huddle this morning, we didn't talk. But this is right on board. Can I tell you, when I was preparing for this, I heard the Spirit of God say, so many people are not walking in their yes because they have a fence in their heart. They have church hurt. They're holding up other people in expectations that they let them down. And so now, well, guess what? I'm just not going to do it. Imagine if Jesus had the attitude. Think about this. He's going to go through all that agony on the cross. He's going to go through all the pain, the emotional pain. The Father turns away from him. He comes to his best friends, and they're sleeping. Wakes them up. Hey, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. He goes away. I'm going to pray again. This is in Mark. The the gospel of Mark has this account. Comes back again. They're sleeping again. Wake up. He even calls out Peter. Peter, you can't stay awake one hour. I'm about to give my life. I'm about to give up everything. They're going to brutally torture me. You can't stay awake one hour. He goes back and prays again, comes back to sleep. And at at that point, she's like, you know what, my time is up. It's time to go. How many parents should we have in the room? Yeah. You ever bought your child some new shoes, new clothes, you worked hard, you put in overtime, you bought them this, and they go and they just rub their feet in the back of them and step up. They go go find mud and, and, and a spaghetti sauce. How does that make you feel as a parent? You're like, come on, you don't even appreciate this. Imagine if God had that attitude. Like, you know what, they don't, a lot of them are not even going to choose to receive the gift. There's going to be Christians in church living beneath the gift that I bought them. Nevertheless, yes, because you're worth it. I hear God saying you're worth it. You're worth it. Nevertheless, yes. As I conclude, I'm going to have the worship team come back up. 2 Timothy 4 and 7 says this. And here's what I want to drive home to you. It's not about how fast you start. It's about how you finish. Family, I want you to finish strong. I want you, God wants you, more importantly, to walk in every yes and every promise that he has for you. But there will be obstacles. But greater are the opportunities and the blessings. It says this in 2 Timothy 4 and 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. How many people say, I want to finish the race? Raise your hand. You say, I want God. I want to stand before God. The judgment of God to say, God, I finished the race. I didn't give up. I slipped up. I had an Ishmael. <laughs> I didn't believe in myself. I fell at your feet and called myself a sinner. But, yeah, I didn't stop there. I got back up and I finished the race. I kept the faith. How many people want to have that testimony? When your kids come, your grandchildren come. How are you still standing in God today? I walked past every obstacle. I tripped over some. I messed up sometimes. But I kept the faith. My friends, God wants that for you. That's why this message is a little heavy. Why is it? Because the word says that God will not leave you ignorant of the devices of the enemy. So God is saying, I want you to finish the race. I want to bless you. I want to see you go all the way to your yes. I want to see you walk in victory. But the enemy is going around trying to take you out. But guess what? He doesn't have authority to take you out. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper, is what the word says. It won't prosper as long as you say, nevertheless. So here's what I felt in my spirit is that God wants to break some of these things that have been holding you guys back and holding us back and holding believers back. And maybe you're believing for your son, for your daughter, for your mother, for your father. But I want to review these obstacles. And this is you. I'm going to ask that you stand. I'm not going to call you up to the altar. I'm not going to lay hands on you. We invited the glory of God. The glory of God is going to break out in here. And God is a sovereign God. And he says, I will do it. I will break every chain. I will break every bondage. Some people in this room said, my natural limitations. God, you called me to teach a connect group. You call me to preach, God. But I, I can't speak. Maybe you're like Moses. I stutter, God, I can't do that. God is going to break off any natural limitations that you feel that you have. He's going to break that stronghold telling you that you can't do it. Yes, you can do it. If if God called you, guess what? You can do it. Maybe some of you have been not saying yes because you've been facing the improbable. I would believe for my healing. I believe Isaiah 53 and 5. I believe that by your stripes I'm healed. But the doctor keeps saying... It's improbable. It's not going to work. Today, I'm going to ask you to put your hands up and receive from God the improbable healing. Maybe it's for your dad. De- stand in place for your father. Stand in place for your mother. I'm going to go with it. I, I, it's like I hear a name named Janet. Like someone named Janet is standing in need of healing from cancer. Stand in place for that. Maybe it's a waiting period. You've been waiting long. You you started off fast. God, I believe you. I trust you. I trust you, God, for this business. But every month we're taking losses. The pastor of this house said we're in an accelerated season of yes. Put your hands up and say, God, I receive. Maybe it's for your marriage. I'm tired of waiting for him to get it together. Maybe it's your kids. Are they ever going to come to Christ? Nevertheless, yes, maybe you've been deceived to believe that you're too busy to serve God. Well, God is going to break that stronghold. He's also going to put an anointing on you for discipline and time management. Do you believe that God can do that? Okay. Last two obstacles. Uncertain outcomes. Some of us are operating in a spirit of fear. And the glory of God is going to break the spirit of fear today in this room if you feel under or unqualified there's going to be an anointing and there's going to be a special anointing that's going to pour out It's going to be an anointing of love you're going to understand God's love for you can I tell you how I can operate in confidence in the gifts of God because I'm anchored in that God loves me and God loves his people So, even if I'm unqualified, even if I'm not good enough to man, God will use me. He'll take the foolishness of this world to confound the wise. So, even if you think I don't add up, guess what? God is going to pour an outpouring of his anointing of love. You're going to feel his love. You might feel some fire. You might feel some heat. You might start crying. I start laughing. I don't know. But you're going to feel his love. So if that's you, if any of those things are you, I want you to put your hands up. And I'm going to pray. Then after I pray, we're going to worship. But I want you to receive what God has for you. I release the angels to pour out the blessings of God. Now. Every obstacle that has held them back is broken now. Every fear is broken now. Anointing of God's love. They're going to feel the tangible presence of God's love now. You're going to walk in joy and peace now. You're going to give people the courage to say nevertheless, yes. I declare it. I release it Three, two, one. now that I believe just got breakthrough in their mind that Jesus loves me and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want that today I'm going to invite you to repeat this prayer after me City Life family I want you to pray it all together say thank you Lord for taking my place and settling the account that I could not afford to pay. You took my sins, you took my punishment, and in exchange, you gave me new life. I believe you died for me, Jesus. I believe you love me, Jesus. You gave your life up for me, Jesus. And I receive that gift now. I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just accepted Jesus for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, I'm going to invite you to do this. Text the word SAVE to the number on the screen behind me. That's our way of partnering with you. You are not alone in this journey. We want to give you a Bible. We want to give you a devotional to start your day off. We want to invite you to come back to church. Keep coming. Come at 9 o'clock where we can connect with the community of other believers. So before I release you, I want to let you know, press in. God is here his presence is here and he loves you so much. If you want to stay and worship afterwards, you can but I'm going to release you. Thank you, Father, for your people. Thank you, God, for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the fire falling now. Thank you, Jesus. We pray traveling mercies over every believer here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.